Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Proverbs 31 verse 25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue and she watches over the affairs of her household, doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Verse 31, the thesis of the whole morning, right? Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring praise at the city gate. You know, from all the children in the room, uh, let me just say, mamas, we thank you guys. In fact, can we all just stand in a moment and tell all of our mothers a big old thank you this morning for all that they have done? Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. You know, it was, it was almost like you didn't know what to do because she wasn't telling you what to do uh, right then, just for a moment. But you know, part of Jesus' rhythm um, in life and part of his rhythm of, of who he was is that when he stepped into situations, he, he spoke to that situation. When there was a national movement, when there was a time that needed to be spoken of, whether he was walking through a grain field and talked about the grain or in the synagogue and talked about the evil religious people or in the crowd talking to the crowds, the religious leader, the things of Caesar versus the things of him, he spoke into these moments that they were walking through in that day. And it's a rhythm that I believe that he's given us as a church to be able to speak into these rhythms, to speak into these days. Days, whether they be holidays or moments that God has given us. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to speak into the life of mothers this morning. Now, I do that because I realized really quickly today, and or actually through this week, that we really, all of us in, in, in attendance today or that are, that are still at home, we really don't have that many things in common. When you start looking around you and start thinking about the people around you, you don't look like them, you don't smell like them, you don't have the same culture as them, you don't have the same family background as them, you don't have the same ideals or a lot of the same family upbringing, but there's one thing that every single one of us in this room has, and that's a mother. It's a mother. Now I get it, some of our mothers are, are not with us anymore. Some of our mothers are on the, the other side of eternity and they're waiting on us. Some of our mothers are with us today and some of us have had incredible relationships with our mothers and some of us haven't. But here's what I want to do today. I want to spend a little bit of time talking into moms because here's the thing. A lot of you are moms. A lot of you are married to a mom. A lot of you want to be a mom one day. And a lot of you want to marry somebody that can be a mom one day. So look, we're all in this together. So dudes, don't you check out on me today. Don't, because she'll elbow you. 
Because some things that are going to be said today, we need to listen to. So I want to spend some time today challenging moms, encouraging moms, encouraging families, encouraging all of those that are connected to moms. But, but I do know this, and I want to be sensitive to this. I know for some of you, Mother's Day is really, really, really joyous. But I know some of you, it's hard. It's a hard holiday. It really is. A couple reasons for that. I mean, number one, for some of you, you lost a mother this year. And this is a tough day for you. It really is. Some of you, you lost one a long time ago, and it's still, it still stings. That shows how important they were in your life. For some of you, you didn't have a great relationship with your mom, and you see other people, and you yearn to have that. For some of you, you've wanted to be a mom for a long time, and it just hasn't seemed to be God's timing yet for you. But I just want to say to all of us today, as we come to this conversation that we're about to have, and I want to encourage you to come to it open arms and hearts, because I think there's some things that we, all of us can learn from it. In fact, let me just pray before we jump into this. Lord Jesus, today, God, I know that there is a, God, there's a struggle in the room. There is a joy in the room. There's a question. There's a wondering of when and how in the room. And God, I just pray today as we walk through some of these truths that are gonna be exposed today, that you show us your faithfulness you show us your design for being your children, and you give us a model of how we can walk out our faith as mothers, as people with mothers, and as people that want to be mothers. It's in your name, King Jesus, that we pray. Amen. And amen. You know, in 25 years of ministry, I've learned something. Um, I've learned that, that speaking into situations, sometimes you need to call in the pros. You need to call in those that know what they're doing. And you need to call in those that can represent what you're really trying to say in an insider's voice. Because I fully realize that I'm a dude. And the, really all I know about mothering is a lot of times to stay out of the way. Um, that is about what I've learned. So today I've invited a couple of Burn Hickory moms here um, that represent some different seasons of life, represent some different experiences of life. And God has in each one of their lives done some different things that show them how he is faithful and also give us a path of maybe where you're at right now in your family that can maybe reset some trajectory for you. And give you just some wisdom today. You know, I read something this week that as I was getting ready for this morning, and, and, and then I'm going to introduce these guys that I thought was just incredibly profound. Uh, th this author, John Acuff, says this. He says, and, and he's speaking kind of off the cuff. He says, I'm totally crushing motherhood. I can't believe I ever stressed about taking care of one of these little humans that demand all my care and attention. I have so much time to invest in myself. I think I'll spend the weekend learning how to play the harp. Being a mom feels like being on vacation on a tropical island where the sand is made of gemstones and the water tastes like coconut LaCroix. <laughs> Said no mom ever. <laughs> you know, I've never met a mom who just sits around and thinks about how good of a mom she is. I really haven't because I realized that one of Satan's attacks, one of his major attacks on this planet, ladies, is to make you feel like you're not worthy, is to make you feel like you're not worth it and to make you feel like you're not good enough. And so this morning, as we walk through this conversation together, and I fully realize that, that you are superheroes, you are iron chefs, you are counselors, 
You are Uber drivers. You are our counselors. You are our teachers. And you are the judge, jury, and the executioner in most of the places in this house, in most of the homes in this community. But we want you to know today that we love you. And we want you to know that we see the struggle that's in your heart. So I just want to bring you some encouragement today. I want to bring you some biblical truths that these ladies can bring us today from his word. And let me introduce you to our panel. First off, we've got uh, Christy Laughlin. Christy is, this is her first Mother's Day. Um, how awesome is that? Um, she is married to Eli Laughlin, which is a whole other struggle on a panel uh, one day, our high school pastor here. She has baby Palmer, seven months old baby Palmer, just dedicated her today, so it's a big day for Christy uh, today. So she's going to be with us. Next to her is Miss Sue Clark. Uh, if you know Sue, you love her. Um, I've said it all morning. She's kind of like the Yoda of moms uh, here in this church. She's married to John. Uh, she has two kids, six grandkids, and one great-grandkid on the way. Uh, so how awesome is that? Uh, right next to her is Miss Denise Kiesler. Um, she is married to Clint. Uh, they're both avid Georgia fans, serve in the student ministry um, here and have two um, just about grown. Actually, they're grown kids, uh, Jameson and Jonathan, and they're ready to launch them. Uh, not like figuratively, like really. Uh, not like some of you are like, yeah, mine's four. I'm ready to launch them. Uh, no, like they're in college right out, uh, ready to step into the next life. And she's going to speak towards what that looks like. Of, of launching our kids into the next category. Um, and right next to her is Miss Kayla Nicely, um, married to one of our deacons uh, here in this church, David Nicely. They have two incredible kids, two and four years old with Austin and Charlotte. Um, and one of the crazy parts about her life is that David gets deployed a lot. And so while she's not single, she does kind of have that role a lot of time in her life. So these ladies are going to bring some things to the table today um, and give us just some ways that God has stepped into their story um, that I hope that we can all listen to right here and maybe gain uh, some wisdom for. But, but I want to start with Kayla uh, on the end down here. And Kayla, here's, here's a question that, that I've had for you this week. Being in a kind of military family that you are, and in a situation where you're definitely, you're not a single mom, um, but you do find yourself solo parenting a lot. Um, and there's a lot of that happening, whether it's travel or whether it's divorce, whether it's not being married. There's a lot of that uh, that's happening. Um, tell us a little bit about your mom's story and then give us a little bit of wisdom into how God has shown you some ways of dealing um, with this idea that, that you've got to have a community around you. And, and where have you guys found that? So our story of coming to Brent Hickory is proof positive that the Lord goes before you um, because when we came here, we had no idea how crazy life was going to get with trainings and deployments and um, everything with David's job, which I'm incredibly grateful for, but it does come at a cost. Um, and we came, we were desperate for people in our season of life, people who loved Jesus, um, just people to kind of do life with. We needed some good friends. And the first day we visited, we visited the Godfrey Life Group and knew those were our people, and we have not looked back. And it's been such a blessing because shortly after that was when um, things kind of ramped up with David's job, and he was gone a lot, and then I got pregnant again. Um, and I truly could not have done it without those people coming alongside me to either just say, hey, I get this, like I've been there, I hear your kids screaming at you, my kids screaming at me too, it's okay, we're gonna make it. Um, or, you know, there was a period where he was gone for a while, and 
it just felt like forever. I was at my wit's end, and the girls in our life group had planned an impromptu night out. Um, I wanted to go, but couldn't find a sitter last minute, and a friend just showed up to pick me up, and I just broke down in my driveway. I was like, I'm so lonely. I couldn't find a sitter. And um, So she just loved on me. She stood there in my front yard with me and loved on me. Um, so it really, we are not supposed to do this parenting thing by ourselves. Hmm. Um, you know, in Ecclesiastes, the Bible tells us that woe to a man who is alone. Um, we are supposed to have a community. We're supposed to have people to come along and be with us in the hard times and celebrate with us in the good times. Um, so I would just encourage all the moms out there, whatever season of life you're in, it's so important to have a community of people to do this thing with. Mm, so good, because the reality is, is there's a lot of times that you feel alone and that's where Satan wants to take you. He wants to call you from the herd. Um, rather than finding that community here. Um, and that is not a shameless ploy for life groups. That is a big ploy yes. uh, to yes. jump yes. into a group, a group uh, here at this church. Denise, your story is a little bit different. Um, being an almost empty nester, um, you and Clint have seen what it's like to kind of walk through the, the early years and now walking through the parenting adult years. Um, give us a little bit into the background of your story of, of two kids polar opposite and, and what are some truths that God just poured into both of you guys? Uh, so when I became a parent, I was 30 years old and I'd been a teacher for seven years. And so I had a degree in child development, early childhood education. I thought I knew what to do with children. And uh, Clint and I were actually taking a parenting class at our church and then eventually uh, taught the class. Um, and our first child, we, uh, we did all the little things that we learned from our class. And we thought, you know, if you do A plus B, you get C, you know, uh, it's like a little formula. And, you know, we were gonna have some perfect kids. And um, the first child followed along, played along with us and did all the things we asked him to do. He's a really good baby and toddler. And then, uh, uh, 19 months, they're 19 months apart. So um, a little while later, we had our second child and none of the stuff that we did with our first one worked. And so then we started to realize maybe we shouldn't be teaching this class because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so, um, but the Lord, um, I, I knew the verse, uh, Proverbs 22, 6 said, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Um, and I, you know, I know that that's a, a proverb, not a promise, but we wanted to be really intentional about training our kids to follow Christ and um, to know him and all of that. But um, somebody said that verse a little bit differently to me. Um, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And that really spoke to me because my children were so different. Um, I had to parent them differently. And, you know, they have, God's given them gift, different strengths, different weaknesses, different gifts. And um, it was just so important, um, I started to realize, that I needed to watch them and listen to what they thought was important and what they enjoyed. And also to pray that God would reveal those things to me as a mom so that I could see how to parent each one of them so differently. Um, and, uh, you know, kids are not cookie dough. We can't expect that formula to work the same for every child. They're human beings with a free will, and they are going to do things differently than what we had thought. So, um, and then as a working mom, I was very overwhelmed some days, very exhausted. And a lot of times my anxiety kicked in, and I realized I needed to um, bring that to the Lord and let Him 
help me through those times. Mm -hmm. Just like we sang earlier, he's there. He wants to be there in the good times and the bad times, um, helping us through living that out with us in the coming and the going. Um, you know, we're so busy sometimes running from one thing to the next, but he wants to be there through all of those things. And so um, because I wanted to be intentional, uh, I decided I got together with a couple of my um, friends who worked and we kind of formed a little play group so we could encourage each other. And then I also hosted a, a prayer time or a prayer group in my house um, for moms so that we could pray over our children mm. and we could hold each other accountable and we could just remind ourselves and encourage each other what's important. Um, so, and then as they grew older, um, it kind of switched over, you know, in the early years, it's more focused on discipline and training and all that, but you still have that little bit of a relationship that you need to be forming. But as they get older, <clears throat> it switches over more from discipline to more of that relationship. And um, you still have to remember that, that they're very different. They, you know, they communicate differently. They respond to you differently and everything. But um, it actually happened a little earlier than what we were thinking. We thought, you know, when they're 18 and they leave for college or they, you know, go off to do whatever career they're going to do, then our relationship's going to change. But it actually started a little earlier than that because when they were 16 and they started to drive, we lost our captive audience in the car. It was nice for us that it took that off our plate. But at the same time, it was like, oh, wow, I missed that mm -hmm. time in the car when I could talk to them and we could have that relationship sure. building time. So, um, and now we are in more of a role of advice giving because they're adults. And um, hmm. uh, I know one of the things that the Lord gave me um, early on that I still hold on to um, as they're adults making decision is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, mm. peace, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's something that I still hold on to. Amen. Amen. Now, Christy, you're, you're at the beginning of this race. Um, and, you know, you're, your life looks a little bit different now. You just had a baby. Um, so for, for especially the young moms, Christy, that are so often scrolling social media, watching other people's highlight reels, perfect camera angles, great lighting, there's such a danger of falling into the comparison world to other moms. Can you tell us kind of your mom's story a little bit? Because one of the things I value about you and Eli is a lot of times you just don't care what people think. <laughs> um, how do you deal with the the trap that Satan wants to drag you into of not feeling like you're good enough, not feeling like I'm living up to the expectations or not feeling like you're that perfect insta-mom yeah. uh, that's out there. How do you guys do it? Because I think you do a great job at it. Thank you. Um, we try. Um, yeah, so first off, you keep calling us pros up here, and I, don't, well, I just want to say I'm not a pro. My kids pass these rolling across the stage during dedication, and I just <laughs> popped it back in her mouth, so I know someone thought we were gross, um, but that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're high school, college, getting married, having a baby, you're obviously with friends who are in that same stage of life, and that is posted on Instagram, and that's our highlight reel of our generation, but that's also the breeding ground for comparison. And so when we first had Palmer, um, I found myself really having a hard time just comparing myself to everyone else and what they were putting 
on Instagram, and so every generation of mom knows in here, there's always a golden book that you have when you first start parenting, and so for us, it was Moms on Call. And um, we tried really hard to do it, and I saw that's what everyone was doing um, in our stage of life on Instagram, and their babies were thriving on it, and they were sleeping through the night, and Palmer was not having fun with that. So Moms on Call didn't work for us, and I think what Denise said was amazing that not everything works for the same kid. You know, things are different and you have to do what works for your kid. And so um, we just took that step back and stopped doing that book and did what worked for us. And then things got better and it was a lot easier for us. But then even now, I mean, she's only seven months old, so I'm not too far into this, but I still struggle with um, looking at Instagram and seeing that, you know, this baby is already sitting up and she's Palmer's age and Palmer can't do that yet. Or this baby's younger than her and weighs more than her. Like, what are we doing wrong? Is she not eating enough? Or, you know, this mom has an outfit for every holiday and Palmer doesn't. So, whoops, you know, like, am I not doing the right thing? And so you just really, I at least have to take a step back and realize that Instagram is not the real world and this is only the highlights of your life and realize that, is Palmer happy? Yes. Is she healthy? Yes. Is she in a home that loves Jesus? Yes. Mm. And those are the only things that matter. And so Amen. that's what works best. Oh, Amen. Thanks. You got some applause on thanks. that. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate My it. My kid didn't make the team or 1900 on the SAT. It oh, ain't ever going to quit. I didn't either, so. That's right. So, well, you know, Sue, um, man, you're, you're such a hero to so many people in this church. Um, and, but there's a backstory to that. Uh, that is part of where God has brought you from. Can you give us just a little bit of a glimpse into what a lot of people don't know about the early years of Sue? And what was it that got you to that point that that you now mentor other mothers regularly? Tell us a little bit about those early years and, and how God directed you through them. Well, these girls did a wonderful job uh, telling what it was like to be a Christian mother. But I'll have to say that I didn't start out as a Christian mother. So I'm speaking to some of you uh, who may not have stepped across that line in faith yet. Uh, When John and I married in uh, 64... That's 1964, not 1864. Was it the summer of 64? Yes, summer of 64. No, it was actually Christmas. Uh, I was very naive and optimistic that um, we were going to be the ideal husband and wife. Well, that didn't happen. And um, I went into motherhood in the same way. I thought, I've got this. But um, it didn't work out that way either. I was um, in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, uh, to be with my husband, but he couldn't be with me because he was going through AIT and OCS at that time. And uh, so they arranged for uh, me to live with two other women, uh, wives, and um, have a place for them to come home if they could get off on the weekend. And um, it was there that I had our first child. And um, it was difficult because I was not living with John. I was not with my family. And I was, uh, I did not have that older, wiser woman to encourage me or to give me advice. Mm. So that was pretty difficult. 
Uh, but if I thought that was difficult, just listen to this one. John was sent to Germany, and Mallory and I followed him um, about two months later. And when we got there, we had no place to live. Um, we stayed in the top floor of the officer's quarters in a 12 by 12 room and um, no elevator. After about six weeks, we finally found an apartment. We were so eager to find a place. We had to go out on the economy and live with the German family in the upstairs. And when we looked at the apartment, it had no heating and no air conditioning. It had um, no bath, no shower, uh, no tub. It had no running water. Hot water, had running water, but not hot running water. Um, there were no appliances and there was no furniture, and we took it. Um, that was the hardest time of my life. Uh, I, I really thought I was going to lose it, and I realized I am not that ideal wife or mother that I thought I was going to be. And Sue, let me pause, because yes. you actually had a baby in that season right yes, there, I had by yourself, without John, with yes. no family, with no one that spoke yes. English. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. So um, it, was, it was tough. And, um, but we made it through that and came back to the States, um, settled down and had a home. Um, the, it, I was, um, we began to go to church regularly. It was easy not to go to church where we were moving around all the time. But uh, we got back. We, we went to church. It was a, they began teaching the gospel or preaching the gospel. And I uh, finally at a revival, uh, I heard, but God just opened my eyes and my ears. And I heard for the first time uh, the truth about Jesus Christ. Mm. And it just melted my heart, and I gave my life to Christ that night. And it wasn't long before uh, I just wanted to know more about him, more about God's word. And I had a neighbor knock on my door and say, hey, would you like to go with me to a Bible study? And I said, sure. And she said, oh, well, it's on the other side of Atlanta. And uh, it, it, we will be there, take an hour to get there and an hour to get back, and we'll be there about three hours. You still want to go? I said, yeah. And she said, well, it's Kay Arthur, and she's going to teach precepts. I don't know what it really is, but it's her first class in precept. And uh, so uh, I, we sat, we did this for three and a half years, hmm. and uh, uh, God was so good to just feed my soul. I learned a lot of things. In fact, I, I became radically different after that as a wife and a mother. I saw my children differently. Uh, before that, I had seen them as an extension of me, and I tried to mold them into what I thought would be best for them. But as I got into God's Word, I realized instead that He had given me our children as a, as a gift and that I was to take care of them and unfold them to be what God had mm. already planned and made them Amen. to be.
And um, that made such, it took such a pressure off of me. Uh, I was just, I could love them and encourage them knowing that God had them and that I was only responsible to, to uh, just let them be who God had made them to be. Now, I also learned that when God gave, forgave me, that it went hand in hand with my ability to forgive other people. And God began to take away those um, that unforgiveness that I had and bitterness that I had in growing up and replace it uh, with just a peace and a hope and joy. Mm. I was able to go to my children after God impressed me to do this. I would never have thought of it. But to go to my children and ask them to forgive me. Now, they were very young, probably around seven or eight. But and you may wonder why I did that. But, uh, well, God told me. That's why I did it. But later, as I thought about it, I, I realized that that probably uh, took away Satan's hook in them to remind them when they got to be about 11 or 12 of all those things that I did wrong and unpleasant memories. And uh, so I, I tell you, whatever God tells you to do, do it. Mm. Uh, the, the scripture that became very important to me and, and very important today, and that is be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So if you've been forgiven by God, he will give you the power to forgive others. Amen. Amen. Will you guys do me a huge, huge favor and just thank them just for giving us some wisdom uh, this morning. So, so good. Um, I feel like we should, uh, feel like we should just pray and go, but we're not. Uh, we're not going to, you know, I, the, the things that they said are just straight from Scripture. And straight from the heart of God. And there's actually a story tucked away in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that really mimics exactly what they're saying. That gives us, all of us, whether a lady or man or high schooler or middle schooler, it gives all of us just some elements of faith that we need to live in our family. And I just want to just give you in a really abridged, abridged moment in this story. And I want to give you some homework this week to go back and read and study this story because it's it's incredible. First Samuel chapter 1 is about a lady named Hannah. She's at this place in her life where she's distraught. She's torn up. She doesn't have any children, but she wants children. She's in the relationship, a polygamous relationship where she has a sister wife. Well, that's a whole nother deal in the Old Testament. We don't have time for it, but, but they do. They have kids, but she has a husband that loves her that wants her to worship, that wants their family to seek after God. And Hannah, in, even in the midst of this moment of just deep distraught, gives us a couple of things that I want to just give you to set up this week, you reading this event again in Scripture. And she shows us some elements that we should all have in our faith. And number one is, is that Hannah shows us, and just like these ladies said, that there has to be an element of soul-level prayer. 
In every one of our lives, whether we are moms or not moms or dads or not dads or high schoolers or middle schoolers, there has to be this level that we come to God and absolutely pour our heart out for God. First Samuel chapter 1 is in a time where God is really not being worshipped much. Where people are still going to worship him at, 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 the, at the temple, but not a whole lot. And I want you to hear what Hannah says. She says, it says this in 1 Samuel 1. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Let me ask you something. When is the last time that your prayers brought you to a place of brokenness and weeping over something? You know, a lot of times we complain about things, we post about things, we talk to others about things, but how much are we honestly allowing God into the anguish of our soul first? Hannah says, I know that I'm in trouble and I know that I'm hurting, but God, would you deliver me? Would you deliver me? But she doesn't stop there because she doesn't just pray. She shows us there's number two, this personal dedication to the Lord. There's this personal side, and I think you heard that in every one of these ladies up there, that, that Hannah was able to come before the Lord and pray in this deep anguish because she had an incredibly close relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 11, and again, look at verse 11, 1 Samuel 1, 11. It says, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. What did she do when she came before the Lord? She called out the, names, the name of the Lord to the Lord. What does that show us about Hannah right here? That shows us that Hannah is not a person that just puts her faith on the background until there's something happening in her life. It shows us that Hannah's faith in this situation was something that was regular in her life. Look at the name that she used for God. She uses the word Lord Almighty. It's a, it's a compound word for Lord. That, that Lord stands for you are in control and I've submitted myself wholly to you. But it also means that you are almighty and you are above all else. It shows her devotion to the Lord. Her idea of knowing who God is in her life. Why? Because she even refers to herself as a what? Two times in the NIV, and some of the others, it's debatable if there's another one. She refers to herself as a servant of the Lord. If you refer to yourself as a servant to someone, that equates to the fact that that someone is greater than you. That you hold an admonition in your heart or a place in your heart that you have submitted yourself to that person. Hannah is showing us here that she's in deep, deep, deep anguish in prayer. But it's at this point that she knows that God is who he says he is. And she's at the temple worshiping. Listen, even when it wasn't convenient to her and when it was shameful for her because she was not a mother. But there's number three. She shows us that there's in her model, there's an understanding in Hannah that her kid should be God's kid first. Should be God's kid first. Now, this is a big one right here, West Cobb, Paulding Counties. Hannah shows us right here that when God gives us a kid, our kid is God's first and our second. What does she say in verse 11? 
She says, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. What is she saying to us right here? She's saying that our kids, when God gives them to us, are God's first and our second. Therefore, our prayer should always be not as what my will for my kids are. You just heard that, right? But what is God's will for my kids? What is God's design for my kids? How can I ensure that God is showing me how can my kids flourish? And that doesn't mean living out your old dreams. Or going to that place that will fulfill you. What did Hannah say? Hannah said, God, if you give me this kid, he is yours first. And I'm a temporary stand-in for you, God. And my job is to lift him up. So the question that I've got is, are we submitting our kids to our culture? Or are we submitting our kids to the will of God for our lives? And sometimes those things don't match. Sometimes we have to pick one of those things. Hannah said, I'm going to give him over to the Nazarite vow. That's this extra vow. That's not just like a normal Christian. That's like a normal Christian that looks weird, that eats weird, that drinks weird, and that never cuts his hair and wears weird clothes. Say, Matt, why? So that he stands out in the presence of people and they know that they are the Lord's. Let me ask you something. Is that the prayer that we have for our kids? Or is our prayer, God, just make them look like you and smell like you enough, but not blow it. She doesn't stop there. Hannah has this radical commitment to her kid living out his faith. Of course she does. What did she do? She offered her kid to the Lord. She prayed in front of Eli the priest. She got on her face in front of him. She prayed. He accuses her of being drunk. I'm telling you, you got to read this story later on. But then he finds out what's going on in her. And Eli blesses Hannah, gives her the ability to move on. She goes home with her husband, a little bit PG-13-ish in the Bible, and she gets pregnant. And she has a child God gives her a child. And I want you to skip down to verse 24. I want you to see what it says right here. It says, after she weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah of a flower, a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, that's the priest, and she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as sure as you, as you now live. I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Verse 27, look at this. I love it. I prayed for this child. The Lord God has granted me what I asked of him. Verse 28, here it is. You may want to underline this. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped there. You know, up until this point, it's been a whole lot of talk, right? But at this point, number five, Hannah shows us that that part of our lives is a faithful follow-through of living out the promises that we have made to God. She shows it to us right here. She shows us that we can talk all we want to, but when the time came for her to wean this child, that means that she's no longer feeding him and providing him at two years old to somewhere to five years old. She walks this kid up to the priest, and she says, hey, listen, I, I promised that this kid is the Lord's and I'm following through with that promise and here he is. And here he is. Do you know who this kid is? It's the prophet Samuel. 
It's the prophet Samuel that walked and reshaped Israel. It's the prophet Samuel that anointed King Saul as king and anointed King David as king. It's the prophet Samuel that stood in the gap and reshaped the people of God. Which brought number six in Hannah's life. An enduring joy. An enduring joy. And I think you saw it in two of these ladies that are launching kids. Chapter 2 is one of the most honest and joyful prayers in the whole Bible. Got to go home and study it. Don't have time for it today. But here's what happens when we get on our face and pray. When we realize that our dedication to the Lord matters. When we lift up our kids and realize that they're God's and that we are God's and that His will matters. When we follow through in the promises that we have made to Him. And when we walk and we offer ourselves, our families, and others up to God. And we walk with Him. The promise is, that's when joy happens. Because God steps in. Steps in. Look, I realize this is a tough day for a lot of you. It really is. But here's what I know. We serve a God that steps into the tough situations. And all he asks of us is for us to say, God, here it is. I told you I was going to give it to you. And here it is. Parents, your kids are the Lord's first. Give them to them. Do you know what that does? It releases you from a lot of responsibility that's God's, but it also points them in a direction that God can only provide. You parents that are struggling in the room, hey, submit yourself before the Lord. The results are up to Him. You can't control another human being. You just can't. For those of you that want to be parents, just at a soul level want to be parents, Maybe it's just not God's time yet, but he's still faithful. He's still faithful. Let me ask you something. Are we offering ourselves and our families honestly before the Lord? Let me pray for us as we get ready to walk and just be dismissed this morning. Lord Jesus, um, I know that God, normally at at times like this, we have this moment of, of prayer and worship and and dedication. But God, this morning, would you just in our hearts continually solidify, God, who you are and what you can do. God, we love you today. We ask you today to move in us. God, if there are people in this room that just as Sue said earlier, don't have a relationship with you, but they want to talk about what does that look like? How does that work? God, I just asked as soon as the service is over, God, that we find myself or another representative of this church and they could just look at us and go, hey, I think I need Jesus. Or maybe, God, they just reach out on our next steps text or our next steps button on the app and just say, hey, I need somebody to pray with me. I need Jesus. God, there may be families here that just want somebody to reach out and to pray with them, Lord. God, today, would they just find a way whether it be on the app or whether it be just finding one of us today, just to reach out and go, hey, listen, I just need somebody to pray over me that our faith may stand in the gap for Jesus for our family. 
Lord, we love you today. We thank you for worship today. We thank you for moments like this that we can celebrate who you are, Lord Jesus. And it's in your holy, holy, holy name that we have gathered. Amen and amen. You guys have a fabulous morning. If we can serve you in any way this week, just reach out. We love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.